getting a, a perspective a, about life as, as we're understanding our life in the kingdom of God. We, we know that Christ has come and when Christ came, he brought his kingdom. Jesus said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And we know that all of us who have repented and believed the gospel, the kingdom of God has come in us and is now at work through us. And that happens in as much as we serve Jesus. Serving Jesus, it, it changes who we are. It enables us to be a part of what God is, is doing. God, God is at work in the world and he's calling us to join him as soldiers and as citizens as of the kingdom of God. Remember that, that we are soldiers. It says in 2 Timothy 2.3, share in sufferings as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. When you're a, a, a member of the kingdom of God, you're, you're made a soldier of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our battle, it's not against flesh and blood. Remember what it said in Ephesians 6. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so we don't have time to get caught up in distractions. It says in 2 Timothy 2.4, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Now that doesn't mean that we don't get involved in what's happening in our world. We're to get involved in, in bringing help to care for the welfare of our city, Jeremiah 29, 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf or in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And so we are committed with our local impact ministry under Pastor Benny to care for our city. And, and you can be a part of a, a, a community care team. You can go right now on that app and you can get signed up or you can go to Guest Connect at the end of the service. There's lots of needs that we have the privilege of meeting in our city. I do want to tell you about a big day that's coming up though on April 30th. We are going to join with the arborists of our community and we are going to go and plant trees that were torn down by the tornadoes. And so this is going to be a great way for us to serve our city. Another thing we're going to do on that same day is we're going to go and clean up all the parks in, in our area and just show our city that we love them, that we care for them. And again, this is just a way for us to seek the welfare of our city. But, but even more than that, we're to engage and what's going on in the public and private sector? It says, Jesus said this in Luke 20, 25. Render to Caesars the things that are Caesars and to God the things that are God's. That means more than we just pay taxes. That means that we engage in what's happening in our culture and society. Friends, we need some of you to be on the, on the school board. We need to be very careful and be very aware of what is happening in our school systems. We need to be very aware of laws that are being passed that, that could that could cause detriment to our children and to our society as a whole. And that's the other thing. We, we're to help societal health. Jesus said this about us in Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt lo has lost its taste, how, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And that's the goal, to give glory to our Father who is in heaven. It's not about our comfort. It's not about our applause. It's not about our glory. What are we commanded to do? It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 
Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Don't be offensive to other people. Don't, don't, be, don't be mean. Don't, don't be rude. Don't be ridiculous. Don't give offense to people. Just, just as, as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. It is our goal to bring glory to God by serving God's purpose. It's not about us. It's about him. And that's what gives your life meaning. What happens when you serve Jesus is you get to be a part of something that is bigger than you that lasts for eternity. What we're studying this morning is first and second, I'm sorry, first Samuel through second Kings, four significant books. Now, of course, in the time that we have allotted, we are not going to be able to cover these four significant books. We're going to look though at a, a small section, a, a very important story that will set up for you the capacity to read the remainder uh, of these texts and, and get a sense of, of, of what God is doing and what he wants to do in and through us. We, we understand and what we're going to see is that God chose a man to be his king. But that man did not serve God's, for God's glory. He served for himself, for his own glory. It was all about him. Saul was the first king of Israel. And he did not pursue the glory of God. He sought the glory of Saul. And what we see in him is, is an example of what not to do. We're going to be in 1 Samuel. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 13 and we're going to be in verses 8 through 13. Madison, once you come on up, she's going to read our scripture for us. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. This is 1 Samuel chapter 13. And our text will be verses 8 through 13. Madison, read that for us. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering and and the peace offerings, and he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, What have you done? And Saul said, When I saw the people, that the people were scattering from me, and that you do not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, Now the Philistines sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and Saul and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. If you would be seated. Well done, Madison. Thank you for reading God's word. Pray now for the preaching of God's word. And so last week, if you'll remember, we were in the book of Ruth. And the book of Ruth, it concludes by pointing to King David. Now I'm going to put this on the screen. This is where we finished last week. This is Ruth 4, 21 through 22. These are the last two verses of the book of Ruth. Solomon fathered Boaz, and Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. This is quoted in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. And so it would make sense, at least in my mind, that 
when you go to 1 Samuel that immediately we're going to start understanding King David. But that's not what happens at all. Instead, we get to 1 Samuel. If you would go back to chapter 1, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And what we find is that the Bible seems to take a detour. While King David's family was getting established there in Bethlehem and, and David was learning to be king uh, by, by being a shepherd boy, uh, th there's other things that, that are happening. But God used David in this time. I understand something. If, if you feel like you're in a place where God is at work, but you're not doing all that, that God wants to do through you. Understand that this time of waiting is not a time for you to be sitting on your hands. As a matter of fact, this is a time to be active in learning to trust God and learning to, and, and, and learning to, to serve God. What, what was David doing during this time? He was killing lions and bears. He was caring for helpless sheep. He was learning to be a king. It's interesting when you study the ancient Near East, one of the pictures that, that is provided over and over again in all the cultures, not just the Semitic cultures, but the, the entire of the Mesopotamian culture, what you see is this picture of a king being that of a shepherd. So look at this picture of this Pharaoh. Notice what is in this Pharaoh's hands. The, 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 these are the, this is, there's a rod and a staff. What are these? These are the, these are the tools of a shepherd. What, what humanity has always understood is that the best leaders are those who serve others, not themselves. The greatest problem we face in American culture today is we have too many leaders that want to lead for their sakes and not for the sake of those that they are called to lead. You know what Jesus said, John 10, 11? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus Christ is the greatest leader the world has ever seen. He is the leader that we're longing for. As we see our world fighting, as we see the world and we hear all these things, here's what America should do. Here's what Europe should do. Here's what China should do. What, what we're longing for is a leader who will, ra who, will, who, will, who will rise up and who will provide for the good of all the nations, of all the world. And Jesus Christ is the only one who can do it. And so we wait for his return. And until he returns, we're to serve him in our broken world. We are to seek out what God wants to do, realizing that God really does have a plan and it really is perfect. And so while David was out preparing to be a, a good king like that of, of Jesus Christ, well, well, Israel was looking for a king. See, God's plan was to be their king. God said, I'm going to lead you. And, and as, so long as you will obey the words of the prophets and enjoy the peace that comes to the sacrifice of the priests, then, then there, there will be good that will come to this nation. But they didn't want that. And so many Christians today don't want that. They, they don't want Jesus to be king. They want to be their own king or they want to follow some kind of earthly seemingly beneficial being who will guide them into what, what is best. Friends, God alone knows what's best for you. And we must not make the mistake that Israel did. Well, how did it work out for them when they learned, when they looked to an earthly king? Let's get some background before we get into 1 Samuel 13. Go to chapter one and what you'll see is this precious young woman wanting to be a mother. 
And she's praying and she's praying. And, and finally she says, God, if you'll give me this son, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you to serve. And so God answers Hannah's prayer and Samuel is born. And Samuel is given to serve the Lord's purpose. And so Hannah has this beautiful prayer in chapter 2. And when you get to chapter 2, verse 12, notice there, there's a contrast between Samuel and Eli's sons. Eli was, was the head of the priests at that point. His sons were Hophni and Phinehas, and they were godless men. And their lives, they, they contradict the will of God. And so Eli rebukes his son in, in verse 22 and following, but then they will not repent. And so the Lord rejects Eli's household. And, and, and in the process, he calls Samuel. So look in chapter three. You hear me quote this regularly. Right before I preach, oftentimes I will say, Lord, bless your servants, we are listening. Speak, your, your servants are listening. I'm quoting for Samuel three. This is, what, this is what Samuel said when he heard the voice of God. He was discipled by Eli to do that. And so what we see in chapter four is the, is the fall of Israel. Eli is killed. The ark is taken because the people didn't truly honor and respect God. They thought of God as a talisman, as a good luck charm. And so the, 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 the Philistines, they, they take the ark and they're cursed for it because God is holy. And when you treat holy God with disrespect, it comes down on you heavy and hard. And, and they were experiencing the, the, physical, the physical ramifications of their decision-making. Oftentimes, we will feel it deep in our soul. When you do not have awe and respect and fear for God, your soul pays the price for it. And their suffering is very much like the suffering of any who will not honor and respect and, and worship the Lord God. And so Samuel, he, he establishes leadership. But then in chapter 8, look what happens. Samuel gets old and his sons are like Hophni and Phinehas. And the people don't want to, to be under their leadership. They want a king. Look what they say. They want to have a king like the other nations. And Samuel gets upset and God says, Samuel, don't be upset. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. The people were not willing to come under the authority of God. They wanted to decide how they were going to deal with God on their terms. They wanted to get a human king so they could do as, as they wanted, as they pressured him. And so God said, okay, I'm going to give you what you want. And he raises up Saul. And so when you look at verses 9 through 12, things start pretty good. Saul seems to be like an okay guy. He's pretty humble. He's huge, but he seems like a pretty, a pretty good guy, you know, and he was going to do his best. Now, it's so hard to do this, but imagine you don't know what's in the rest of the Bible. Now, some of you don't. You're like me when I was first saved, and all this was new information. But some of you know that David becomes king, and then Jesus comes from there. And, and when you see the story of Saul, you, you know this doesn't end well. But imagine you're reading this for the first time, and you don't know that. See, the, the, the people who are reading, remember what I said last week about God's promise? He said to Adam and Eve on the day of the fall, I'm going to raise up a man who's going to crush the head of Satan. And then he promised Abraham in Genesis 12, I'm going to raise up a man from your lineage and the whole nation, the, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed through you. They were looking for a man who would be Messiah. And when you're reading verses, chapters 9 through 12, you would might maybe think, hey, there he is, the Messiah, the anointed one. This is the one God chose. He's going to bring everything into the way it should be. But we get to chapter 13. Let's go there now. We see what often happens to, to people who, who, who start well, who are called by God, but they don't end well. And their, their life becomes an example of what not to be. And that's what we need to see 
is that, is that Samuel, I'm sorry, Saul is an example of what not to be. So look at the context before we get into chapter, verse 8 of, our, of chapter 13. Look at verses 1 through 4. So the Philistines and the Israelites are, are going to war because Jonathan, Saul's son, has started it. So now the, the, the Philistines are massing. Look at verse 5. A massive army. And it's terrifying. So look in verses 6 and 7. What's happening in Israel? Israel's panicking. Lots of people are fleeing the country. They're going into hiding. And those who stayed are terrified. And so here is a defining moment. Saul, right now, in a very difficult condition, has his character revealed. Friends, your character and your heart is, is most notably and easily revealed in tough times. It's easy to praise God. It's easy to talk about how you love God and how, 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 how God is good to me. God is good all the time. All the time God is good when everything is good. Your true faith and your real heart and, and your character is going to be revealed in hard times. Saul has come into a hard time and he's got to make some choices. And, and what you see him doing is rather than focusing and serving the Lord, he's focusing on himself and he's serving himself. We've got to avoid the mistakes Saul made. The challenge today is not really different. That These challenging uh, statements that you're going to see for the outline today, they're not really different from the things you've been hearing for the last few weeks. Because as you read the Old Testament over and over again, you see these same, same challenges. But what I want to encourage you to do is think about them from the perspective of your personal life. We're going to, see, we're going to have some I must statements. I must statements. And I want to encourage you to personalize these and ask yourself, am I really? Must I really? Is this, does this describe me? Really? See, what, what I often do is when I listen, I hear a good sermon, I think, well, I sure wish so-and-so could hear that. I, I, I wish that guy down the street was, was hearing this sermon right now. Lord knows he needs it. Let me assure you that everything that we're going to see in this text today, we all need to hear. And I would encourage you and challenge you as, you as you write down these four things and we say them in this, in this way, I must, really make it personal and, and ask yourself, must you? Are you? Four things. The first is this. To serve God in his kingdom, I must trust him. I must trust him. Saul did not trust God to get Samuel there on time. Can I tell you something about God? He's... He's rarely early, but he's never late. But he never forgets you. I, 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 did, a, um, I did a thing once to prove that I wasn't a good dad. I didn't get dad of the year that year. I, I forgot that I was supposed to pick up McKenzie at preschool and um, the school had to call. But it was really bad because see, I was in a meeting. I was serving God. Woo, come on. Anybody else better leave that excuse? Because my wife didn't. <laughs> and it was a terrifying moment when I'm in the midst of this very serious meeting and my wise assistant walks in and whispers, your wife's on the phone and she said, now. <laughs> that was send a cold chill down any man's back. <laughs> I got on the phone. She said, where are you, hon? I'm at work. You know where your daughter is? She's at school. Yeah, you're supposed to be there picking her up. Nice job. The, scar the sarcasm hurt. I got over there. Bless her heart. She'd been crying. You know, those little red cheeks. 
the heebie-jeebies were still on her. I had to take her for ice cream. You know, from that point on, when, I, when she knew it was my day to pick up, she'd say that morning, now, Daddy, don't forget me. <laughs> that hurts. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm your pastor and I love you, but I might forget you. But can I tell you, God will never forget you. He knows right where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. And good news, he's got a plan. I love Isaiah 49, verse 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she would have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you, says the Lord. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands, your walls, that is your needs are constantly before me. God knows he has not forgotten you. And good news for those of us who believe. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And because God is God, he is all powerful. He is omniscient and he loves us. We can trust him. Second, to serve God in his kingdom, I must honor him. I must honor him. Samuel did not honor God. He treated the the Lord's offering with contempt. You know, we gotta be so careful that we, do, we don't do that with Jesus. You know, we can, we can get comfortable with Jesus. We can get to this place where it's like, oh, you know, it's Jesus, just church. So, you know, I, I've got other things going on. You know, I, can, I was in church, but yeah, I had other things going on. No, I wasn't singing. No, I'm not giving. No, I'm not serving. But you know, me and Jesus, we're okay. Are you? You may think that from your side, I can guarantee you that's not true from his side. See, if we're not coming to Christ and we are not living our lives in awe of him, we are dishonoring him. Awe, this sense of God's power, this sense of, of the goodness of God that leads us to honor him. And, and, and when we honor him, there's this holistic thing that happens in our lives. It impacts our head, our hearts, and our hands. When we're honoring God, we're thinking high thoughts of God. And when you're thinking high thoughts of God, you have strong affections for God. And when you're thinking high thoughts and have strong affections, you can't help but get your hands busy for the Lord. We must be so careful that what we do is always according to the word of God. Friends, don't think that you've got God figured out and, and you can just go out and do it on your own. No, you must allow God to move your heart. You must not make the mistake that so many people are making, which they're not taking God seriously. They think that they've kind of got God in a box and they can kind of deal with him as they say fit. I would say it this way. Doing something because God told me so or doing something that is not clearly validated in scripture because it just makes sense to me is dangerous. Well, I, I did it in love. Well, did you do it in truth? Well, I told them. Well, did you, do, well, did you tell them with love? See, truth without love is a weapon. Love without truth is a license. And we'll let ourselves get away with anything. And never forget, lying is not loving. When someone who's clearly a male says they're a female, to agree with them is to lie to them. And that is not a loving thing to do. All, our culture is trying to convince us to join in a great big lie. And friends, that is not loving. The loving thing to do is to tell the truth with compassion and respect and kindness. Because every single person on this planet has been made in the image of God. 
And there are many who are hurting and confused and broken. And it is our job to show them the love of God out of an honor for God. To honor God is to serve him well. Third, to serve God in his kingdom, I must fear him. I must fear him. Saul Saul feared the people and his circumstances more than he did God. Look at verse 11 of 1 Samuel 13. Look what he feared. Saul said, when I saw the people were scattering from me and that you did not come, when, when, when God, you weren't acting like I expected you to, when things in my life weren't going the way I wanted them to, when people started saying things and doing things that made me uncomfortable, what does that reveal? It revealed that he feared people and his circumstances more than God. And as soon as any of us do that, you know what we start to do? We sink. You know what the smart thing to do is when you're afraid? The smartest thing you can do when you're feeling angry or anxious is get your eyes on Jesus. It says in Hebrews 12, 1, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How do we do that? Look at verse two, looking to Jesus. Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Remember in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus called Peter to walk on water. You remember that story? Remember Peter got out of that boat and Peter was walking on water so long as his eyes were on Jesus. But remember what happened in verse 30? I put it on the screen. But when he, Peter, saw the wind, how did he see the wind? He took his eyes off Jesus. See, to see the wind and the waves... He had to take his eyes off Jesus. When, when Peter's eyes were on Jesus, he was walking on water. What happened when he started paying attention to the wind? When he saw the wind, he was afraid. Friends, what are you afraid of? People? Circumstances? Sickness? Disease? Your God is bigger. If you will get your eyes on him, you will not be afraid. What did, what did Peter do? But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Friends, cry out to God. If you're sinking today, and almost all of us are in some way, cry out to God and get your eyes on Jesus. Psalm 123, 2. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Keep your eyes on Jesus and lastly, obey him. To serve God in his kingdom, I, I must obey him. Verse 13, this is, this is harsh. You've done foolishly. You've not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. Saul knew what he was supposed to do. He just didn't do it. What did he do? He did what he felt like was right. He did what seemed like the spiritual thing to do. It was not according to the word of God. It was according to his feelings or his thoughts or what he thought was pragmatic. It's what his nation was doing and had been doing for centuries. Again, Judges chapter 21, verse 25. What had they been doing for hundreds of years? Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And that's what Saul did. Friends, God's plan and God himself cannot be stopped. God's will is going to be done. And either we can be a part of it or we will be against it. Either we will ride the wave or the wave will crush 
us. Saul didn't ride the wave. He didn't take the opportunity. His character and his heart was revealed. And so look in verse 14, look what happened. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Do you know who that is? It's David. It was King David. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Friends, I want you to understand something. God is going to accomplish his will and he's inviting you to be a part of it. If you won't, God is not worried. He'll give that blessing to someone else. Living hope, if we don't want to serve our, our church and world, God will find someone who, who does. Christian, if you will not yield to the Lord and count on him, wait on him, suffer with hope with him, he'll find someone who will and you will miss the greatest blessing you can imagine. You were bought at a price, therefore honor Christ with your body. The Lord God loves you and he knows what's very best for you. He wants you to join him in what he's doing. As you read, and I hope that you do, the rest of 1 and 2 Samuel and 1 and 2 Kings, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find two kinds of people. The people who served God for his glory and were blessed, and those who tried to use God and do what they wanted and were cursed. What kind of person are you? You're one of those two. Either you are truly serving God because you love him and fear him and want to bring glory to him, or God is a tool to you, someone you use. Let me give you a litmus test. I've talked to people over the years who said something like this. Well, I tried Jesus. Well, I went to church and it didn't work for me. Let me tell you what they're saying. Let me tell you what some of you are saying. God didn't do what I wanted and it's all about me. So I turned away and went, went about my life. That's the choice some of you are making. See, to come to Christ is to say, I love you, I trust you, I'm yours. To come to Christ and say, hey, I'll serve you so long as everything goes the way I want it. So long as you get me what I need, so matter what I, you know, everything going, I'll be there. I'll be in church. Yeah, I'll praise Jesus so long as I feel comfortable. You're serving you. You're not serving God. Friends, serve the Lord. It will be the hardest thing you'll ever do. And it'll be the thing that you're proudest of in eternity. When you get to heaven, you're not going to talk about the easy days. You're going to praise God for the hard ones. When you sacrificed. You're not going to talk about when the wind was at your back and the sails were set and it was all just flowing. You're going to talk about when, when there was pain and you had to live by faith and you couldn't see, but God was there. You will glorify him forever and you will be delighted for those days. Friends, 500 years from now, What's going to matter most to you is that you served the Lord.
If you're not serving him, everything that you're giving your life to, everything you're serving is going to go away. And with it, your hope and your meaning and your purpose. And you know what that's called? When you have no hope and no meaning and no purpose, that's called hell. And that's what hell is. But Christ has come to save you, to give you a life full. And it happens when you trust him and serve him. So let's stand together as we pray. Care leaders, spiritual leaders, would you please come to the front? Father, we are so grateful for what you call us to. I I, I think of the words of Jesus when you said, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Lord, we thank you for the salvation that leads us to the difficult way that is filled with hope and provision and eternal glory to your great name and blessing to us. God, I pray for some here today who are living without Christ, that they would repent, that they would come to talk with one of these leaders at the front and they would begin a new life. Father, I pray for some of your children who are struggling because they've bought into a lie that the things of this world will satisfy their soul, that, that you have let them down or forgotten them. Lord, would you today renew their hope in you? And that they would, they would, Lord God, they would rejoice not only in their hope, but, but in their suffering, knowing that you have a plan and a purpose. Lord, would you hear them today? Some need to come to this altar and pray as others are leaving and ask for you to provide. Lord, provide to the glory of your name. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.